So, I guess there you have the B team today. <clears throat> Did you notice the date on your on your programs there? So what are we back to the future? <laughs> I don't. Or am I am I mistaken? So this is the thirtieth lesson that I've taught here, and that's the reason you were singing that song. I'm going to talk about the day. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you could have. Uh, blamed or thanked uh, Bob Klein for the message that I, the Sunday School message on After Their Kind. He was the one that suggested that. So this one, uh, Laurie suggested this. She goes, what about talking about the day, the day of Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2. So I'm sorry, I'm wrong on that, November 12, 2023. And I want to give you confidence in the scripture, confidence in the scripture. Now, that brings up what I want to talk about next week, creation series number 31. So, what would you like me to teach on? It will be my final Sunday teaching, at least in this little session, maybe a little bit more next year. So, do you have a favorite subject you'd like to, me to talk about? Um, how about... Radioactivity, these are the two that I was thinking of. Radioactivity and molecular machines, or molecular machines. I'm fascinated by molecular machines, but my background would be more in line with radioactivity. Or some other topic. So later on, right toward the end, I'll ask you, we'll vote, and then I probably will ignore your vote. So. My grandson and I trekked from on the other side of the veterinary building at Purdue all the way across to the stadium yesterday. And as we went past the parking garage, you know the parking garages? Do you know how much it costs to park there on football Saturdays? Forty bucks. Forty dollars. I have a friend, I know that's hard to believe, I have a friend who used to say, if you have a car in Tippecanoe County on Saturday, football Saturdays, you will be charged. So after we trekked all the way across, by the way, Grandpa left his phone in the car. We're a quarter of a mile away from the car on the way to the uh, Ross Aid. <laughs> Reaching for my phone. You can't get in the game if you don't have a ticket. It's on our phone. So let's turn around, Chase. We got to go back. So I said to him on the way there, I go, we're going to miss kickoff. But fortunately, we got there, and, and we saw a friendly face on the other side of the, of the place where you give your tickets. We saw a friendly face, so I go, this is going to be great. But instead of welcoming us, he was going, no, no, don't let him in, don't let him in. Yeah, some of you already know who I'm talking about. So I'm thinking about that. I'm going, you know, I'm going to take Hillary Clinton's position on this. When they take the high road, you take the low road. I'm not even, I'm not even going to mention Marty's response to us. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention it. But I had my phone out to show my ticket, so I thought I'll quickly take a picture of it just so that you could see. what we were facing. 
Thank you. <laughs> the word day is mentioned in the King James Version of the Bible 1,741 times. Of course, in the Old Testament, it's going to be a different word than in the New Testament. So the first thing I did was I went to Google and typed in day, and I came up with this. And, of course, the kids are going to go, what? They're going to have no idea who this is, right? Maybe even some of the older people aren't going to know who that is. That is my wife. <laughs> so think about this, and I'm going to have to have sound here in a moment. I don't know if the projector is going to do that. Yeah, that's what it normally does. Is election day election day anymore? <laughs> no. It, it goes until the other team is ahead, right? That's how long election day goes. So here's John Whitcomb. Christian people are in a state of great confusion on the subject of how the world began. Why? Because the Bible is confusing? No. Because Genesis contradicts itself? No. Genesis 1, for instance, does not contradict Genesis 2. There is no problem in the Bible, really. The problem is that modern scientific theories have so greatly influenced God's people that they really have lost their confidence in God's precious word. But Genesis 1 is so clear in telling us that in six literal 24-hour days, God created heaven, earth, sea, and all that in them is. You say, how can I really know that these are literal days? And I recognize clearly that this is not a typical Sunday school lesson, you know, open to James chapter 1 and verse 13. I would like to encourage you, and I know that I'm speaking or I'm preaching to the choir. I'm, I'm guessing most of you believe six 24-hour days for creation. How do we interpret the Bible? How do we decide what it means? There are at least two reasons why literalism is the best way to view scripture. Now, I am not a Hebrew scholar. Far from it. I wouldn't even consider myself to be a scientist scholar. I'm a scientist by trade. But I did sleep in the Sistine Chapel Express a few nights back, so I should be able to speak confidently on this. I hope. Philosophically, the purpose of language itself requires that we interpret words literally. Correct? Language was given by God in the beginning for the purposes of being able to communicate. Words are vessels of meaning. Second, the second reason we interpret the words literally Every prophecy about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament was fulfilled literally. Think of the prophecies you're familiar with. Micah 5.2, Behold, uh, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting that was fulfilled literally. Next, 
Jesus' birth, ministry, death, resurrection all occurred exactly as the Old Testament predicted. The prophecies were literal. There's no non-literal fulfillment. This argues strongly for the literal method. If a literal interpretation is not used in studying the scriptures, there's no objective standard by which to understand the Bible. It becomes, what, what, how does it, what does it mean to me? Biblical interpretation would devolve into what this passage says to me instead of the Bible says. Sadly, this is already the case in much of what is called Bible study today. I'm not saying we shouldn't apply it. This is what it means to me, and I'm going to apply it. But what does it literally mean? Interesting. God defines day, doesn't he? He did. He did. Genesis 1.5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. To this present time, Jews will consider the day beginning in the evening, don't they? And the evening and the morning, that's the day. By the way, Amazon asked me for proof that my package had not arrived. How do you do that? So I sent him this picture. remains to be seen what they will do. Now, there are a number of Christians out there. You'll see them all over the, all over YouTube, all over the internet. Here's one who I've listened to him debate. He's a very good debater, far superior in intellect to any of us in this room. Far superior. And he's the professor of mathematics emeritus at Oxford University. This is a very controversial topic for many Christians. It's not controversial out there. The world isn't interested in it. But it seems that people are puzzled. And I know many friends in this country particularly who are passionate about science. And then they're taught in church that they must believe a particular interpretation of Genesis that appears to contradict by many orders of magnitude the age of the earth as determined by astronomy and astrophysics. And that creates a lot of pain. Believe you me, it creates a lot of pain. And I admire young people that want to take scripture very seriously. I do. I believe in the authority and inspiration of scripture. And that's why my heart goes out to people like that. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say that on this topic, the saddest thing is to see Christians fighting one another. That brings the gospel into disrepute. And of course, the world outside who isn't interested just think you're crazy. Now that's a very serious business because it puts them off thinking about anything else. Let me put it this way, and this is the very brief answer. If you'd asked me that question 500 years ago, it wouldn't have been that question. What it would have been is, Professor Lennox, what do you think of this upstart Galileo who thinks the earth moves when the Bible says it doesn't? God has set the earth on its pillars that it should not be moved. 
How many people in this audience believe the earth is fixed relative to the stars and doesn't move? So you don't believe the Bible, any of you? The Bible says it doesn't move. You see, for 1,700 years, there was a controversy about this. It started off with everybody being a fixed earther. You ever met fixed earthers? No. There's no one here. And then... Uh, this message was given at uh, Southern Methodist University, a bastion of Christianity. There's my sarcasm showing up. Not a bastion of Christianity. A few comments that I would make to John Lennox, if I could. Within five seconds of his hedging, I knew that I would not like his response. And then they're taught in church that they must believe in a certain interpretation of Genesis. By the way, astronomy and astrophysics doesn't say anything about the age of the universe. Astronomers do, astrophysicists do, chemists do, but not the subject themselves. That's up to our interpretation of things, interpretation of the facts. Science doesn't teach anything. Fallen scientists teach things. Fallen creatures teach billions of year, years because it fits their worldview. Their worldview does not agree with scripture, simply put. To me, when he said, I believe in the authority and inspiration of scripture, and then he says, interpretation, how do you interpret the day? Why do you have to interpret the word day? The saddest thing is to see Christians fighting with one another. To me, the saddest thing is to see the state of the Christian church in America. That's the saddest thing to me. Again, I think I'm preaching to the choir. You probably agree with me. Um, how, how can you be critical of this? Because I believe the word of God from the beginning to the end. Now, I will even criticize answers in Genesis when I think they're wrong. Science has lied to us about the age of the earth. Now, I don't know who put that title on there, but that is an Answers in Genesis video. Science hasn't lied to us. Scientists have lied to us. This brings the gospel into disrepute. Does he understand the gospel? Does he understand when the Bible says it doesn't move? I looked up those scriptures. To me, it doesn't say that the earth does not move physically, although I could give you probably a thousand different things where things about the earth do not change. The nitrogen cycle, the carbon dioxide cycle, the water cycle, the oxygen cycle, those things don't, those do not move. Those have been consistent for, for centuries. When he says fixed earther, what, who's he making fun of? Flat earthers. Flat earthers, that's who he's making fun of. I've been called, you're right in the same category as flat earthers if you deny billions of years. 
this is what AIG says to Dionalytics. However, the historical, grammatical, herme herme hermeneutical recognizes figures of speech are used in everyday language and we should interpret them as such. Is the day a figure of speech? To, the, to me, these are the most dangerous Christians, not the evolutionists. They'll come right out and say you're stupid. But Christians who hedge on the truth, those are the ones that are, to me, are the biggest hindrances to Christianity. Hebrews 8, 9. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Do you believe God took them by the hand? Do you believe he actually took them by the hand? By the hand? Come on. So you're a hand holder, huh? <laughs> there are some things that are just metaphorical. I did look this up. That's the only hand I could find with Israel. I don't know what that refers to, but that is not what's meant by that verse. All right, so I need a volunteer. Great. <laughs> you want to? This should be good because you like water, don't you? So I went to Penny's. Because I heard they had a 25% off on shirts. And it was 25% off. So I, I, I get this shirt just to show you. It's just an ordinary piece of cloth. All right? You're going to need the goggles. And we're going to take this little part right here. Just a pretty good swatch of it. By the way, do you wear goggles when you swim? Yeah. You don't wear goggles? I do. Oh, you do? Do you wear a, a, a cap? No. No? And what, what events do you swim? I wear a cap. I We're having a little dis family disagreement here. <laughs> family affair. And what events do you swim? All of them. I could. I. I was pretty good in the breaststroke, but butterfly. I could only do about 25 yards, and then I was pretty well shot. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna dip this in this liquid here and get it good and wet. And I normally would have a pair of crucible tongs. And I, I've learned in this demonstration. I learned it sadly when I was doing this demonstration up in Wisconsin in, in, in our church in Sheboygan, Cornerstone. So hang on to this. All right? And we're going to ignite this. Don't become concerned. This will hurt you more than it hurts me. Hold it up a little bit. Okay. Okay, so do you think the magicians in Egypt could do some of the things that, that Moses did with the rod? Here's consumption, pardon me, combustion without consumption. 
Is that cool? No, it's hot. <laughs> now, what happened? <laughs> what happened up in Sheboygan? Some of the flame dropped down and lit this, and then lit was what was in the beaker, and it was going pretty good. <laughs> so, wait, do you think that was water? How, how could you tell? Scientists observe. What could you do here? You could touch it. You could taste it. You could smell it. You already saw it. You want to smell it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. That's fine. You, you can give me back the goggles. Normally, you know, somebody will, they'll go, oh, it's wet. Cool. No, it's warm. If it drops down, it, it flames out. So what I did was I took uh, some rubbing alcohol, okay, and added water to it. So it's about a 50-50 mixture. And what it does is it raises the kindling point of the cloth so it will not burn. All right? Thank you. Very good. Oh, he gets an applause. All right. That's nice. Yom mean. Well, actually, most words have two or more meanings dependent upon context. Take the word day. I could say in English, back in my father's day, that means uh, back in my father's time. It took 10 days, 10 24-hour days, to drive across the Australian outback during the day, during the day is a daylight portion of the day. And so there's the English word day having three different meanings. Most words have two or more meanings dependent upon context. I could say some of you are sitting at the back, you have a sore back, and you're sitting with your back against the back of the chair, and you came back after being here before. There are, there's the word back with a number of different meanings. Did you understand each meaning? Yeah, because context determines that. And you know, it's the same in the Hebrew language. Words in certain contexts mean different things. So the word day in English can have different meanings, but the word day in Hebrew has different meanings too. It depends upon context. And so when you read in Isaiah, I know you say Isaiah, incorrect. The I is more towards the middle, Isaiah. Uh, the day of the Lord is near. The word day there doesn't mean an ordinary day. That means the time of the Lord. Or the day of the captivity of the land. The time of the captivity. And so, actually, the Hebrew word for day has a similar range of meanings to the English word for day. It can mean time. It can actually mean year. And by the way, it can actually mean day. In fact, the major meaning of the word day is day. I know you'll be shocked by that. But it is. You know, I had a pastor once say to me, but the word day can mean something other than ordinary day. I said, that's true, but it can also mean day. And he said, but it can mean something other than the word day, other than ordinary day. I said, that's true, but it can also mean day. And he said, but it can mean, it just kept going on and on. I said, look, pastor, uh, the word day can also mean day. Let me ask you a question. When does day mean day? Because the word day can actually mean day. So when people say to you, but the word day can mean something other than ordinary day, you say, of course it can, but it can also mean day. So when does the word day mean day? That's what we have to ask ourselves, okay? Here's the interesting thing. 
The word day is used 2,301 times in the singular or plural in the Old Testament. But in Genesis 1, that's where we don't know what it means. How come we know what it means everywhere else it's used, but we don't know what it means in Genesis 1? I mean, think about it. You know, do you ever say to yourself, you know, I wonder how long Joshua took to march around Jericho. Was it a million years? Was it a hundred thousand years? I mean, what does the word day mean when it says, you know, he marched around for seven days and on this day he marched around seven times? What does the word day mean? You don't do that. You know what the word day means there. In fact, you know what the word day means anywhere else it's used in the Bible. Genesis 2-4, in the day that the Lord created. It means time, in the time that he created. You know what we have to ask ourselves? Okay, when does the word day, the word yom, mean an ordinary day? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. Now, if you look up, for instance, a Hebrew lexicon, uh, Brown Driver Briggs is one that's used in, in most seminaries and Bible colleges, and you look up the word day, uh, it has a number of different meanings and they list all those meanings and so on. But you know what they list as when the word day means an ordinary day? When it's defined by evening and morning and for each of the six days of creation. Genesis 1, 5, 8, 13, 19, 23 and 31. Or take a more modern uh, Hebrew Lexington, Kola Baumgartner. It's very interesting because they list the meaning of the word day in there and for number two they say day of 24 hours. That's how specific they get. So this is a highly respected Hebrew dictionary. When is an example of day of 24 hours? The first example is Genesis 1-5. The first day of creation. So your Hebrew dictionaries tell you that. Well, why is it that most pastors, most Christian leaders say we don't know what it means? And most people in our churches say we don't know what the word day means. Here's the interesting thing. Outside of Genesis 1, if you just ignore Genesis 1 and go outside of Genesis 1, the word day is used with a number 410 times and each time it means an ordinary day when it's used in a number. When you have the phrase evening and morning without the word day 38 times it means an ordinary day. When you have evening or morning with the word day 23 times each it means an ordinary day. When you have the word night with the word day it means an ordinary day and that's 52 times. So we know when day means an ordinary 24 hour day. When it's used with a number, when you have the phrase evening and morning, when you have evening with day or morning with day, or when you have night with day. So we know what it means in ordinary day, so it must be very difficult to figure out what it means in Genesis 1. Let's see how difficult it is to figure out. First day. We'll move on. Well, people will say, yeah, but those days don't have to be natural, literal 24-hour days, do they? Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> God defines his terms, and the very first time the word day is used, the Hebrew word is yom, the very first time it's used in Genesis 1-5, I believe it is, God separated the light from the darkness. The darkness he called night, and the light he called day. The evening and the morning were the first day. And so God defined the term day, or yom, as the light period in the cycle of succession of light and darkness, which began on the first day and been going on every day since. And if that isn't enough, then of course when God wrote down the Ten Commandments with its own finger on a table of stone, you know what it says there in the, in the Fourth Commandment in the 20th chapter of Exodus, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days you do all your work and so on, seven days you don't work, because in six days God made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. How could language be any more plain than that? It says, man, you work six days because I work six days, you rest one day because I rested one day. 
Same words, same construction. If they're not the same kinds of days, then God can't communicate. But that's his word. And he even wrote that down with his own finger on a table of stone, it says in Exodus 31. I like to put it this way. All scripture is divinely inspired. That part was divinely inscribed. I love that. So, the God who created the universe cannot communicate what he means. And then I quote him here, day in Exodus is not only divinely inspired, it is divinely inscribed. God wrote it with his hand. That these are literal days with no gaps between them, which is the traditional view that all Israelites in the early centuries accepted and all early Christians in the early centuries of the church. How can we know that's true? All right? I want you to notice because every one of these creation days has a number attached to it, a numerical adjective. Now the fact that the word day is used doesn't really settle it because the Bible uses the word day just like we do. A long period of time can be described as a day. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Or there's the day of the Lord, a long period that's coming. But when you have a number with the word day, it immediately means a 24-hour period. So, day one, second day, third day, fourth, fifth, sixth day means 24-hour units. The second evidence is that each one of those days has an evening-morning formula attached to it. Evening and morning, one day. Evening and morning, second day. Evening, morning, evening, morning. Every one of the days has that formula. What's an evening-morning in Hebrew? It means one cycle of the earth rotating on its axis in reference to a fixed astronomic light source. And that light in the first three days was a temporary astronomic created light that God then replaced on the fourth day with the sun and the moon as the sun's reflector and the planets moving across the fixed backdrop of stars beyond. And I have a, a new hero of the faith, even though I never met him, John Whitcomb. So in Genesis 1, the word day or days is used 11 times. It refers to a particular day. When there's a number attached to it, it means 24-hour days. Now this is just for the kids. And we're going to do the same thing we did last time. Uh, the, the person that answers the most correctly will get be able to pick one. I don't want the, those two books there, but there are several others. <laughs> uh, not... Okay, I'll pull those out. So, question number one. Who was the straightest man in the Bible? I've done this with like third and fourth graders. Every answer is Jesus. And you go, no. <laughs> they, they really don't know anything else except Jesus. Which maybe is not a bad thing. Straightest man in the Bible. Who knows? No one? Yeah? Uh, no, uh, Joseph. Pharaoh made a ruler out of him. Thank you. Why couldn't Noah catch many fish? 
Yeah, there you go, Laurie, because he only had two worms. Who was the shortest man in the Bible? I know what you're going to say. Mm-hmm, climbed a dickmore tree, da 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 right? What? Oh, yeah, some people say, will say, uh, Zac, uh, um, Zac- Zacchaeus, and someone will, someone will say, what was that? Uh, yeah, that was Nehi the shoe height. Thank you. He's not the shortest man. The Philippian jailer, he slept on his watch. <laughs> Who is the greatest financier in the Bible? Yeah, I hate riddles too when you can't get them. It's like, Maybe I could get this. Noah, he floated his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. (laughs) And you get paid for this? No, I don't. One was first mention of baseball in the Bible. Yeah. Yes, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning... They're going to have a tough decision to make there, Lori. What reason did Adam give to his children as they could no, they no longer lived in Eden? <laughs> That's close. Your mother ate us out of house and home. So, Dwayne Gish, I, I will just affirm this. <laughs> with a little different video here. The possibility they had to be created supernaturally. And I am confident, based upon the facts of science alone, we can demonstrate this universe had a creator. It had to have a creator. Now, I believe the Bible reveals the fact that that creator is a God revealed here in the scriptures. And I believe this, this biblical record of God's creation Of course, one wonderful thing about it, that God not only created all things, he was, he created, he gave each one of us a life, and more than that, he sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to preach the good news of the gospel. And then he did something for you, and he did something for me we could never do for ourselves. He took upon himself our sins. He bore those sins on the cross of Calvary, and there he died and gave his life in his blood that those who call upon him and know that he is a Christ know that he is the very son of God and receive that pardon then they have this promise of eternal life and I would say every one of these gentlemen that I've used their videos love the Lord and had a very clear understanding of salvation and that's where their heart was so Hank Granberry, in a discussion with him, you know, not only the scientists out there, but us common, ordinary folk like Hank Granberry, has a BS from Purdue in 1988. He's a nice guy, and he's a dance instructor. <laughs> so 
So this is what he said to me a couple of weeks ago. I didn't have problems with moons of years until it struck me. Death before sin? That's when I realized it had to be 24 hours as recorded in Genesis 1. And then he uh, said something else via text. The polystrate trees are impossible to explain if the millions of years theory is real. Therefore, those trees can't exist, but they do. And let me show you what I'm talking about there. Here's a guy that was uh, investigating in Kentucky, I believe. And these two objects right there are trees that have been thrust through millions and millions and millions of years of strata that's been laid down. No. It was laid down after. The trees went through the sediments that were laid down during the flood. But I do have an interesting other picture besides those polystrate fossils. Here's Hank a million years ago. And just to, just to be sure, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Here's Kelly. She got her first buck. <laughs> now, what I like about, you know, iron sharpening iron, you know, uh, Bob always asks a question. Um, Earl always chimes in with the, with the missing ink. Uh, Hank normally has something to ask or a question. Iron sharpens iron, and I enjoy those questions. I may not know the answer. I may have to go home and study up on them, but I, I notice iron sharpens iron. Hugh Williamson, current Regis Professor of Hebrew at Oxford University. And I would say this about him. Oxford is perhaps the most prestigious university in the world. And Williamson is one of the top Hebrewists anywhere. Here's what he said. I do not have a video of him. He responded to somebody saying 24-hour days. So as far as I am concerned, the days of Genesis are concerned, I am sure that Professor Barr was correct. I have not met any Hebrew professors who had the slightest doubt about this unless they were already committed to some alternative by other considerations. That's that worldview. Worldview coloring what you read in the Bible. That do not arise from a straightforward reading of the Hebrew text as it stands. And here I would say something to all of you. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I suspect that most of you have had relatives or friends or neighbors that go, you're crazy, you're a nut. I, I did to a, to a slight extent when I had my dust up with the Lafayette School Corporation, but mainly with the superintendent. And after that time, Lori and I received letters, we received phone calls, received texts, emails, not texts, emails. Thank you for standing for the truth of the word of God. My response was, 
I couldn't do anything else. I knew what the truth was. Was I supposed to in my class go, yep, life formed in the oceans when I knew from a chemistry standpoint that's the one place life could not have started. Let's be clear on the scriptural problems. Believing in 24-hour days of Genesis 1, if you don't believe that. Death before sin. Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There are human remains in the fossil record. And when you find them that are millions of years old, that, that, that fossil there, was that human there millions of years ago? So here's some other problems. Here's the theory and the problem. Places death before sin. Sun created before the earth. Satan fell before the end of creation week. Dinosaurs did not live with men. Noah's flood was not a worldwide catastrophe. All creation was not very good. The symbiotic relationship was non-existent and other order of events conflicts. So this came from Answers in Genesis. And here are the different ideas about this time, the gap theory, theistic evolution, the day-age theory. Every one of them, every one of them has problems. Test at the very outset of the Bible. You're not going to get past the first verses of the Bible. You're not going to get past the first verse in the Bible, the first chapter in the Bible, the first two chapters in the Bible, without facing a test. And the test is this. Do you believe the Scripture? Do you believe the Scripture? That is the test. No one gets past the opening verses of the Bible without having to face the test of whether or not that person believes the Bible to be the authoritative Word of God. Do you submit to Scripture? Genesis 1 is your first test. To which I say, Amen. So. If we believe the billions of years or the millions of years, however you want to put it, and I have truncated that um, right here between 14 billion and 5 billion because it, it's not all going to fit on the screen. The Big Bang, 14 and a half billion years ago. By the way, since I was a kid, the age of the universe has increased by several billion, and I'm not that old. Earth began about four and a half billion years ago. First life about three and a half billion years ago. Sponges about one and a half billion years ago. SpongeBob about that time. Homo sapiens several hundred million years ago. Bob Berenger about that time. <laughs> so we have a problem, don't we? Because the creator let us create man in our image. The Creator said, and also said in Matthew 19, 4, 
He who created them from the beginning. And right now we're having problems with male and female. Christians don't have problems with that. We understand it. From the beginning. From the beginning. It doesn't fit with billions of years, does it? And a, to me, a simple graph like that, given to John Lennox, would, he would say, well, you can... Interestingly enough, both those guys are from Oxford University, right? The Hebrewist and John Lennox, the mathematician. Maybe they needed to talk to each other, straighten themselves out. Opposite of that, creation was a series of supernatural, instantaneous, inexplicable miracles. Supernatural. That is why there is nowhere in the Genesis account any place where evolution is mentioned or even hinted at. There are no natural processes in creation. They are all supernatural. Evolution was not the means or a means by which God created. It was all supernatural and miraculous. There's only one record of creation, Genesis 1 and 2. You can believe it or you can reject it, but that's all there is. Okay, we got a couple things to take care of. So next Sunday, something else, radioactivity, molecular machines, or some other topic. Maybe by a show of hands. Is there another topic you'd like to put forward? Yes, Earl? <laughs> Statements like that really irrigate me. <laughs> I did look into buying a Geiger counter, and it's reasonable. The radioactive sources are hundreds of dollars. So, but I would, I would do something. Do you have another topic, or do you want to vote on radioactivity or molecular machines? Okay, we're going to vote. How many want me to do a, a lesson on radioactivity? How many want me to do a, a, a lesson on molecular machines? <laughs> that seemed pretty even. <laughs> Laurie, could you count the hands? Here we go. Okay. <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> Maybe half and half. Radioactivity, again, vote. Radioactivity. Okay, and how about molecular machines? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll just flip a coin. Uh, and Laurie, who answered the best on those questions? Okay. From these books down here, maybe a grandchild or... Or maybe for your wife. And let's see, Jake, would you close?
in prayer. Thank you. 15 minutes. <laughs>